I'd like to begin by first dedicating this week's episode to the life, career, and family of superstar Billy Graham. Of course, superstar Billy Graham just passed away this last week, and my condolences and the condolences of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast to his family. I know his wife did everything she could to hold on to him as long as she could, but at the end, in the end, it was his time to go. And uh, there's a spot in heaven that just got a little brighter with his uh, his arrival there. Um, I'm not too much of an expert on superstar Billy Graham or uh, mostly of his career. You know, a lot of what he did was all before my time of really watching wrestling. I did see the match where he ended the illustrious uh, WWF championship reign of Bruno San Martino. That's not something to be taken lightly by any means. And, uh, you know, you hear so many big-name stars, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Jesse Ventura, Scott Steiner, so many stars who mentioned how they modeled their career. If it wasn't for superstar Billy Graham, that we wouldn't have seen a lot of the gimmicks in that that we saw with with those that became so successful. Uh, you know, he was such a inspiration and... Uh, um, model for so many great legends that we all know today. So uh, this world is definitely a different place without superstar Billy Graham. And again, I just want to offer my best to his family. In other wrestling news, it sounds like, guys, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but it sounds like WWE may have worked out a deal with Drew McIntyre to, um, you know, renew McIntyre's contract is up in here in a couple months because they've, they haven't been able to strike a deal since before WrestleMania. And it's been, I know it's been really concerning for both parties. And so much, so many of the wrestling internet community has felt that, uh, this was McIntyre's time to leave the company. And I was kind of thinking so too, but I was, I was wanting to stay optimistic. There's that, there's that word again, but I was hoping because ultimately I feel where he could do great things in other places as he's proved before. I still feel that WWE is home for Drew McIntyre. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that the rumors I'm hearing is true, that they're able to strike a deal and that we'll see the return of Drew McIntyre here very soon. You know, he's on raw now. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see the difference of his surroundings and uh, the work he can do with the Raw roster going forward. So I really, really hope the rumors are true. Now on to this week's episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast with special guest, Captivating, Alan Lyric. It's time! Are you ready? Let's go! Welcome to Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac, and must say, today's episode I have been waiting for as well for quite a while, probably since at least December, that I knew I wanted to do this episode, but a couple things had to fall into place first. 
because I wanted more than just to invite my, my friend on the show, and I knew come January to April, we would have a lot more we can talk about here. But joining me today is for what should be a captivating episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast is none other than a very captivating guest, Alan Lyric. Alan Lyric, how are we doing today? Johnny Cadillac, it's great to see you, my friend. I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Doing great, as always. It's, it's good to have you on the show. Um, and we will, of course, get to why I mention that it's been a long time that I've been waiting for for this week's episode. But let's uh, let's go right from the get-go. Kind of what I like to tell everyone first. Um, let's hear a little bit about your background, and more specifically, kind of your involvement with becoming a wrestling fan and where did it all start for you becoming a wrestling fan it's uh very interesting actually i did start off as one of those um kids who would refuse to watch wrestling because okay. oh it's it's all fake oh they use blood packets they know how to fall and all of this and that was all without me even watching any wrestling whatsoever and just going off of what my mom was telling you, me. You'd go off to the stereotype, or in this mm -hmm. case, specifically, the stereotype that your mom had in her head. Yeah, okay. just going by my surroundings. And then, eventually, when I was about 13 or 14, my brother purchased WWE SmackDown vs. Raw 2009. And I started playing that a little bit with him. Just like, oh, I guess you're my little brother. I, I'll play a video game with you, even if with it's with this fake sport. And then I started playing, and I really enjoyed it. I really liked playing as characters like Shawn Michaels and Kofi Kingston. Okay. I really loved playing with them. And eventually I was like, this is, this is actually pretty fun to play, at least. I wonder if it's just as fun to watch. So I purchased um, WrestleMania 27. I want to say it was the one. Was it headlined by John Cena and The Miz? John Cena and The Miz, uh, yeah. Yep, 27. And I loved it. I okay. loved it. And to come to find out that not a whole lot of people love that no, WrestleMania. No, uh, kind of went down as one of, I'm not going to say people's least favorite, but it's in mention of that one. I loved it. And that it's what got me into wrestling. That's when I started going, I want to deep dive into this. I want to know who these people are, how they got into the business, how long this business has been going who are the big names from the past and it was all very centralized in wwe just because wwe was the mega head at that time oh yeah still is in a lot of ways oh without a doubt yeah but like, now aew is great but there's still there's that lineage and there's that history and so much and the money mm -hmm. that's been put into wwe that they're going to be the big juggernaut of all pro wrestling for time and time to come and i'm not going to say throughout the remainder of history but yeah they're definitely they're still going to be the big dog without question for quite a while yet oh absolutely so and I, then i started buying dvds with my paychecks wrestling dvds and i ended up coming across edge's documentary and hearing his story and all of the hardships he had to go through and struggles he had to go through it encouraged me to want to try and get into the business someday okay and granted it took me years before i even saw a wrestling ring but i'm glad that it's gotten to this point now and it's all thanks to video games <laughs> so we we all know there's everyone has their mark out moment story or i've seen other people other people's mark out moments whether they have the same or not 
But I do need to ask you, if you were to ever meet Edge one day, would you tell him that in a lot of ways he was the one who kind of inspired you? Oh, right when I'm shaking his hand. It'd be the first words out of his mouth. <laughs> out, out of, of my mouth? mouth. Okay. <laughs> out of, first words out of my mouth right after. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, for what? Uh, because if it wasn't Everything. for you, Cap- Captivating Alan Lyric may not be a household name at this moment. And if it yeah, wasn't I'm for... household, you're going to make it somewhere. <laughs> and if it wasn't for your amazing tag partner, Christian, I, um, I'd be using Christian as a ring name. <laughs> there you go. So I, I do need to ask, first of all, was your brother a wrestling fan prior to that video game? Yeah, yes. He was one of The Undertaker's biggest fans. Okay. So, I mean, did he tell you... For, was he one of the ones you would make fun of then for when you were not a fan? In a brotherly way. I wouldn't let other people make fun of him, but I'd be like, oh, you're watching that again? Oh, you're playing that again? And eventually I was like, ah, oh, I'll pick up a controller. Why not? I will tell you this. If my brother ever listened to... Th- Today's episode, I don't know if he's ever listened to a single episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk, but if he if he was to listen to today's episode, he'd uh, probably be rolling his eyes with what I'm about to say. Yeah. And part of him's going to want to say something to me, but I remember growing up, he's two years younger than me, mm-hmm. and uh, he, because I was always, anybody looked at me throughout my entire life ever, and the one thing they associated with me first always was pro wrestling. It's, nice. it's always been a part of me, and uh, so for for him it was a little different. He, I don't know if he really found his passion until like he was in high school in a lot of ways, and then he got involved in theater, and that was his passion for a long time. Mm-hmm. But like growing up, you know, it was me. I was a wrestling fan, and he would like to try to say he was a baseball fan or that. But there's one point in time, him and I, you know, we we didn't always get along the best growing up in general. Again, only two years apart. So, very close to age, and that wasn't a good thing for us. Mm-hmm. And um, so, one of the many, many, many arguments we had, he tried telling me that he liked wrestling just as much as I did. I said, there's mm. no way you like wrestling more than I do. Like, you know, I watch it all the time, and yeah. you're always in your room, and sometimes I have to pull you out of your room to watch it. And uh, he goes, well, I don't care about the in-ring product as much. I care about their lives and their backstories and everything. And that yeah. was him. But to say that, that he liked me. it as much as I liked wrestling in general, I was like, no. And then just a few years later, he tried saying that he hated wrestling and mm. wanted nothing to do with wrestling. And so I would kind of prank him at like Christmas time. Well, I'd be like, there's I guess I bought from WWEshop.com for other people. But they came in gift wrap, or they came with gift wrap. So I'd take his his gift of like a video game or something completely unrelated to wrestling, and I'd put it in a WWE box, and I'd wrap it up in WWE wrapping paper. (laughs) He's like, John, I swear, this is anything wrestling-related. I'm going to throw it to the side right away. I'm just (laughs) laughing. I'm like, well, just open it. And, uh, of course, it wasn't. But uh, And then he eventually got to the point where he's not as active as a fan. He'll watch it if he can. He keeps up with it online. You know, he, he lives overseas, so he doesn't have as much access to it as, like, you and I would, like, especially with WWE being centralized in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he'll talk to me about wrestling from time to time. But, yeah, he's at least established that he likes it, but it's still more of my thing. <laughs> so it was nice. It sounds like, you know, I don't know. I just wanted to, I guess, tell that story. It was a little, little different with you and your brother. I guess you weren't. 
you weren't into it as he was, but then he kind of got you into it then, in a sense? Yeah. He's also uh, two years younger than me. Okay. Um, yeah, he got me into it, and then we both... Me getting into it made him get even more into it. Sure. And I haven't talked to him in a couple years, so I don't know if he's still watching it or into okay. it as much as I am. I mean, I'm, well, and I was gonna I'm sure ask he's you, not as involved as yeah, I am at this point. I was going to ask you about that, but I didn't know. I, you know, this is the first I've really ever heard you even talk about your brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know that part of the story. But um, and that, that's one thing I wanted to bring up is, you know, in a lot of ways... You're a very close friend of mine now, and I'm trying to think Thank how you. long we've even known each other, and I don't even know if it's been a year yet. A little over um, a year. It, it, since you first... Because I want to even say the first couple times you were involved with MWA, our paths didn't really cross as much. I didn't talk to the referees as much. It wasn't against you. You know, it was just there's a big locker room there. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and then we both have a very good friend in one Van Johnson. Very but, much so. Uh, Love that guy. I just remember... He was always talking about Christian and the things he would do with Christian. And some of the things just didn't really line up. And at the same time, I'm like, why are you saying such good things? Because anyone knows. Why are you saying such good things about that awful person, Christian Temple? And he oh, goes, yeah. no, Christian the referee. And that's when I found out what your name was. In the, True. Um, before you know we let the, the ring name come in. But um, I guess let, let's tell more of your story. So we've known each other a little over a year. Uh, how did you start getting involved in the wrestling scene then? I uh, started getting involved in the wrestling th- uh, scene through a fellow wrestler and even l- longer friend, uh, Party Poison. Okay, yep. I know you, you've you uh, crossed paths with him a couple times, oh, yeah. at least in a locker room. Yeah, I like uh, Party Poison. We go back uh, plenty of years, and he found his passion with wrestling through MWA, and he was able to train with them a little bit and get a couple matches, and he would start advertising that. And um, He had a show in Lincoln on a night that I didn't have to work, and I said, well, why not? I've never been to an independent wrestling show. I don't know anything outside of WWE and, at this point, a tiny bit of AEW. Okay. And I went to the show, and I saw you for the first time. I saw Donnie Pepper Cricket for the first time. I saw... Van Johnson for the first time, Brian Blade, uh, Angel de la Muerto. Those were all. De la Muerte. Muerte, okay. Yep. Uh, those were all the people that stood out to me the first show I watched. And of course, uh, um, Party Poison, and at the time, Kid Kamikaze, which that, that wore out really fast. He's a very awful person, isn't he? Kid Kamikaze. Yeah. He's not quite Christian Temple bad, but, you know, him and I don't really see eye to eye either so uh we'll get more into that uh, let's just, oh, absolutely let's just put it this way there's been a recent event that if i wasn't already a big enough captivating alan lyric fan as i've been i would definitely be a fan by now due oh, to recent yeah. events oh yeah and, i know uh, what you're talking about yeah, too and we'll, we'll get there but okay well, so- i went to two of his shows after that first one i loved it so much i went to the next show and after that ended i was like hey can i help tear down the ring okay so and did you just only go to Lincoln shows in at this point? You, like you weren't traveling. There was a show again, in. Right? There was a show in Beatrice. I want to say it was Beatrice or Crete. Okay. It was Crete. Oh, okay. It was a show in Crete that I went to, and then after that, I asked if I could help tear down the ring, and then I reached out to uh, you guys, the board of directors, asking if I could ref or yeah. train, do whatever I need to do, 
and I got approved, and I started falling in love with it even more and more. Yeah, so... I, I, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit, and sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, you're good. But number one, so you're from the Grand Island area originally, aren't you? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, did you did you go to school with Party Poison? Have you known him for a real long time, or have you just met over the last few years? Or I've known him since um, both after our senior years. That didn't make too much sense. Okay, so you guys after we graduated, we met then, okay. like the summer after we graduated. He went to a different school I did, but we met up um, through mutual friends, and it just blew off from there. Okay, we, so it definitely wasn't a wrestling connection at first. No, not at all. It was just pure friendship. Okay. Really great guy. But but did you know from the get-go that he was into wrestling? No, I think that took a couple hangouts for us to realize it. Okay. Like, oh, hey, we're both wrestling fans. We both know this name. We both know this match. Okay, good deal. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then, of course, you're... Your knowledge expanded quite a bit since then, as far as even knowing things about AEW. I think back, there's a, a wrestling pay-per-view. I might have even been, I think it was an AEW pay-per-view I went over to your place for. And I was wearing my Mimosa Mayhem shirt between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho yes. from from All Out, I believe, in 20, it was in 2020. And so October of 2020. And uh, you're like... I heard good things about that match. I, I I should look it up sometime. And I said, oh, I was there for that. And you're like, oh. Nice. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, d- d- definitely. It, that was nice because, you know, AEW, you know, we went through this global pandemic. And AEW were still very safe with their precautions, their protocols and everything. But they, they needed... I, I always liked how they handled the pandemic and the fact that they, they had the wrestlers come out and be their mm-hmm. fans. And that was one thing WWE eventually kind of took on with their like NXT trainees, but that was one thing I was really like, okay, other people, other companies need to follow suit. And uh, but then they said, okay, we need to open this up to to real life fans. So they certain sections they would open up for fans to come in, and still you had to buy sections like or tickets in like a group, and you still had to sit like six feet away from other groups. And so, yeah, me and my friend Walter Zalea, he, he lives in Silver Spring, Maryland, and we met down in Jacksonville to uh, to go to an AEW pay-per-view, which uh, is definitely the highlight of my and Walter's friendship, uh, you know, even through all the Jericho cruises and stuff he and I have been on. But, I don't know, it was a, it was a, very, it was a very great time in being a wrestling fan, at least for me, and the opportunities that just going to that event had. It was also the craziest short-term ska- traveling schedule I've done yet, where I left Saturday morning, got there about noon on Saturday, pay-per-view was Saturday night, and my flight was the next day also at noon. So I was Ooh. in Jacksonville just for, I think I calculated for 24 and a half hours. 24 and a half and, hours. <laughs> just enough to sleep and watch some wrestling. Yeah, but you know, my, my good friend Axel Perry was down there, so I got to reconnect with him. He used to live here in Nebraska. And uh, so that was it was a good time, and ultimately I have nothing but good things to say about that entire trip and that entire experience. But it, it's good to have friends in, involved with wrestling and fellow wrestling fr- fans as friends. So oh, absolutely, I'm sure you're seeing that firsthand enough now too. So mm-hmm. so okay, so you uh you go to a couple MWA shows and and uh, in Lincoln and Crete with Party Poison, and then so this is. Before Party Poison went off and did his own training, then correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. 
Right, and then he went down to Flatbacks in Florida, got trained by Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze. And while he was gone for those, I think it was 16 weeks, actually, either that or eight weeks. <laughs> so it was either longer or shorter than your training. It was training, eight but, weeks. Okay. He, he had more days per week than I had oh, for okay. training. Oh, okay, so still about even out. Yeah. Um, while he was down there for those um, eight weeks, I decided I would try and... Um, I wouldn't say fill his place, but there's definitely another spot open up in that locker room somehow. And I was like, I wonder what I can do. Maybe I can, I'm going to be a ref. Because that way, while I'm training, setting up the ring, if I'm refing and I'm watching people fight, I can get a very up close and personal study and be like, okay, how are they doing this? Yeah. Uh, you know, if this guy's um, about to get punched in the face, how is he going to dodge it? And that helped a lot, and I really liked that, so I started branching out. I reached out to other promotions down in Kansas, Iowa. <clears throat> I think I did Montana, no, Minnesota. And like, Would you just kind of get contacts from people like Donnie Pepper Cricket? Is that how you were kind of able to expand your name and like the wrestling involvement you had? Yes, I owe a lot to him. He helped me get a bunch of bookings as a ref. Old Niles Plonke, <laughs> um, he helped me get a couple bookings as a ref as well. I owe a lot to them. Okay. And then I realized eventually, you know, refing twice a week for different promotions and getting an hour or two in the ring before the show starts to train, that's not, it wasn't enough. It's too far, too short, and too in between Okay. to be able to learn. So I started thinking I need to get trained if I really want to take myself seriously as a professional wrestler. I need to get professionally trained. I mean, do you, okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Do you feel like you still learned a lot, even though it wasn't enough for you? But I'm assuming you still learned quite a bit of like, the fundamentals and the basics. Absolutely, I did. I learned a whole lot. But with the way that it was going was I would learn a lot, and there'd be so much time in between okay, being yep, in sure rings, enough. I'd forget a bunch of stuff. Like I needed a bunch at once other than just rolls one week. And then come back a couple weeks and touch the ropes. Like, I want to get them all in one, one, two, three-hour-long session. Do you remember your first bump? My first bump? Or more specifically, how you felt from it? Well, Edge's documentary prepared me for that first bump. Okay. Because <laughs> he recalls his first bump and how his eyes um, went to the back of his skull and his heart was in his throat. He couldn't breathe, but he got right back up and did another bump because... He knew everybody was looking at him. Sure. I knew he had to do it. So that's what was going through my mind the entire time I took the bump. I was, this is going to hurt. Um, get up, do another one. It's going to hurt. Everybody knows it's going to hurt. It's a bump. Yeah. How'd you feel the next day? Were you sore? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. It was the ropes that got me, especially. People always forget that those are made out of elevator cable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so I had two black lines on my back bruises that lasted for at least two and a half weeks it felt great <laughs> <laughs> and any wrestler who's listening to this interview right now will pretty much vouch for you and say they felt the same way mm -hmm. like i'm in so much pain it's oh. worth it <laughs> oh is it supposed to feel like my lungs are in my throat oh. now i will kind of fast forward a little bit and we'll, i want to talk more about your your extensive training as you were kind of alluding to yes but how how did you feel the first day after camp there? Like, did you feel just as sore, if not sore, than or more sore than you did uh, when you were doing your training here, just with the different seminars? Or how was your first day or two 
when you were training down there? Well, first day or two was great. Uh, It was just learning holds and everything. We didn't even um, touch the ropes until week two. Okay. Yeah, it was very, like, after day one, most of what I was feeling was mental. It was just, this is here. This is actually happening. Day one is done, which means so many more days are coming. Like, this is actually happening right now. I'm living out my dream. So, this should probably be a a question I'd ask at the end of the interview, but I'm going to ask it right now. Where you're at now, looking at yourself before you went down for your extensive training, and then I want to get into the story of you getting down there more into that, but... Um, looking at yourself now, or uh, seeing yourself from now, looking at yourself from back then, how would you ultimately felt you would have fared? Like, do you think you'd still be refing right now? Do you think you'd be wrestling more? Would you be cringing at the matches you would see yourself put on? Where Where do you think you would be? I know it's kind of a loaded question. But without the training? Without the further training you without did. Without the extensive yeah, training? Yeah. Uh, I would... I'd be reffing for sure. A lot. You wouldn't see. I'd yourself be doing a lot yet. more reffing. Okay. I'd probably be wrestling a little bit here and there, sure. but I know I wouldn't know half I a quarter remember, as much as I do now. So your last show with MWA, I was waiting for some sort of send because I remember specifically when Party Poison did his final show with MWA before he went down to Florida. You know, he took a bump from sharpshooter Johnny Gunn. They broke the mid-stage championship over his head. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a way of killing him off. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, oop, behind mm-hmm. the scenes look there a little bit. But, uh, anyway, and so, yeah, he he had plenty of matches. So And I knew you were getting ready to go down there. Not to Florida. Mm-hmm. But, um, and so, your final stint with MWA before then. The Ryan Romantic Christmas Chaos Challenge. That's what it was. And you yes. were you were supposed to be a referee, and you I knew said, nah. you knew that was your final show with mm-hmm. NWA for a while. And you said, "Forget this. Get yeah. another referee out here. I want to wrestle." Yeah, I ain't going out. And the crowd, on I, back. that was the loudest pop I've ever seen from the crowd that night in particular. Was when you took off your referee shirt and you said, "I'm I'm in this to wrestle." And, and you did decently well, especially for not having your training yet. I got a pin. And, yeah. I he, just didn't know it was an pull. elimination match. I forgot <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that. Oh, I got a little whoops. too excited. Because you were second eliminated from that, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I don't last bring up a, that pin. Uh, a sore subject from there. But, hey, I wasn't trained. But you did pull Fully. off. You did pull off a trouble in paradise, though. I did. I did. And I got a quick one, two, three out of that. So, but old Ryan got me from behind, and I haven't forgotten about that, buddy. I know you're listening. Oh, there could be a receipt. I know you're listening. And, It'll happen. <laughs> I'm sure it will. But now, and then Ryan Romantic did go on to win that match too. He did. So he won his own Christmas Chaos Challenge there. Yeah, it and won't he, be easy, but I'm. I'll, I'll remember it. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're if you're real into what you do, you never forget anything. Mm. <laughs> At least when it comes to the business and grudges we've been alluding to it this whole time so far we've been here for nearly a half hour you had further extensive wrestling training yes i did let's talk all about this now like so when i went down there to train this will only take a couple seconds just to preface it 
everybody was always asking, do you have like a school in mind? Do you know where you want to go train? And my answer was always the same, even before I applied. And that was, I want to go down to Texas and I want to get trained by Dustin Rhodes. Really? Okay. So like, was there something that stuck out about Dustin or have you just read like internet rumors and heard nice things about his training? What was going on there with your thought process that gave you that answer for every time somebody would ask? Well, I always loved playing as gold dust on the WWE games and um, figuring out how to do shattered dreams as a finisher was like the hardest finisher to figure out. But also his return to AEW, well not return, his debut, his return to wrestling with AEW and showing how he's been doing it for four different decades and he can still do all of this stuff. Yeah. Told me that not only is he is an, an incredibly talented and athletic individual, he's also very safe and knows how to protect himself and anybody he's in the ring with. Like he will hurt them enough to win, but he's not going to put them in a body bag. Okay. So you were not, I, I'm going to say it outright. You were not a fan of AEW right away. You weren't, Exposed to AEW enough right away. No, but the first and, AEW thing I watched, I was hooked immediately. So did you ever go back? Did you see? Because it's still... T- my, if I think of AEW and the things I've loved about AEW over the years, probably within the top five for sure of my favorite things was before AEW, before there was ever a single episode of Dynamite, Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes at, uh, I believe it was Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. And the match they, uh, the story they told that night, the match was incredible. Oh, yeah. Everything about that. I believe it was like the, like Meltzer's match of the year and deservedly so. Oh, absolutely. And, um, don't take my word for it. I'm sure there's an interview on a podcast out there somewhere of him admitting it. Uh, I'm sure that that is his favorite match. Well, I mean, it, it was it was real to him for like he, he wrestled a lot with his dad kind of in the, his early days when Dusty was still wrestling. But otherwise, like, you know, and I think he'd said that him and Cody weren't necessarily the closest brothers growing up by any means, and there's mm-hmm. a huge age gap between the oh, two. Oh, very much so. And, um, and so then they, they finally start getting closer. Cody gets in the business, and they want to do this in WWE, and they had one match, and neither of them liked it at all. It just, it, it, mm-hmm. there was something that fell off well, was, about it. Wasn't it Goldust versus Stardust? Yes, it was. That would have been it. That would have been what was wrong with it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, they were, they were, I loved the, seeing the Rhodes brothers as a tag team, which turned into Goldust and Stardust teaming together, too. Um, I loved it. And especially as Goldust and Cody Rhodes. Um, and, you know, whether Dusty was with them or not, it was stuff I, I really loved. I was intrigued by that story at the time with the authority and everything else. But yeah, they had one match, and they were. Was, I was really hoping it was supposed to lead to a big WrestleMania match, and they they fought at Fastlane. Didn't work to either their liking, and then they just killed the story mm-hmm. from there. Now, big man upstairs said that uh, their match uh, wouldn't have been WrestleMania worthy. Oh, yep, that's right. And so then, you know, I think Cody brings Dustin into AEW, and they have the match, the kind of match they wanted. There was a lot of blood. Oh and, yeah. Uh, oh, but the, just the story they told throughout, incredible. Still stands the test of time. Still, definitely one of the greatest matches in AEW history, hands down. And I mm-hmm. think you would say Dustin would say it was his favorite match. Oh, without a doubt. And, and to the point, he did say he will never wrestle his brother again. He Mm-mm. he's gone on podcasts and said that since then too. But, he had the match he wanted with him. So nothing else to get out of it. So, okay, so you go down there, and you were kind of, you alluded to something 
off air before we came on for this podcast. And let, let's hear about it now. Okay, so, well, actually, did you think, were you kind of taking, did you feel you were taking a shot in the dark when you applied for, well, first of all, what's the name of his school again? This is the Rhodes Wrestling Academy. Okay. Did you feel like you were taking a shot in the dark just by applying for it? Or were you expecting, were you feeling confident that you were putting in your application and you were going to hear back? Oh, complete opposite. It was, I saw an ad on Facebook for it for like the 50th time in a row. And I was like, okay, I'll click on it. I'll fill out the application. And then I'll prove to myself that I'm not good enough for this. I'll prove to everybody else that I'm not good enough for this. I'm going to get rejected. And I'll be like, hey, see, I'm I'm not a wrestler. But I got I proved myself wrong, I got accepted and, and well and it I, went from there. Yeah, and that's the thing about that too, is I know you caught my attention, my respect, and I know I I'm speaking on behalf of so many people. The fact that you put yourself out there, that you just took that huge step just in applying, even if you were expecting to be rejected. But it goes to show if you if you want to achieve your dreams, just shoot for them. There's no I, harm in trying. Yeah, ever. No. I mean, was it Wayne Gretzky said you miss a hundred percent of the shots, shots you don't, you make? don't make? You don't take, or you don't take. Yeah, correct. <laughs> or Michael Scott said you mm-hmm. miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky. Michael, Michael Scott. Michael Scott. <laughs> Sorry, I had to Lovely. get that office reference in there. But. No, absolutely, it's necessary. <laughs> so anyway. And okay, so tell us the story from there. You you send in the application. I remember seeing that, and I was like, okay. And you mentioned little things like the fact that you helped tear down the ring afterwards. You mm-hmm. helped set up the ring. It was as more than just I've refereed some matches. And you know, you mentioned Brian Blade as a trainer. And, no, I was uh, putting in the work. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, yeah, you're mentioning everything you've done, like to the to a T that you're mentioning helping with ring crew. I thought that was that was very big. And um, so, what happened from there? I I got accepted, and you got a call from his wife, correct? And then I got a call from his wife. It was supposed okay. to be an interview, but it was mostly just it starts this day. Be there then. Take care of your own housing. Um, come for training. Wrestling shoes, knee pads. That's all you need. Okay. Okay, so then, but you still had to take care of your own housing while you're down there. I too. did okay. have to take care of my own housing, and that was quite a wonderful experience. Let me, I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you about that right now. Buckle right. down, sit down, and listen. Let me grab my chair. Um, my plan to to start off with when I went down there is a 12 week program in Texas, 850 miles away. My plan was to find a truck stop every night, sleep in my car on a backseat air mattress, and I was. 100% ready to do that. I had the air mattress. I had it all pumped up in the back seat of my car all the way down to Texas. And we had a Discord channel with everybody in it that was part of the camp. And Dustin and Terrell had messaged and asked if we all had housing. And I didn't want to lie. So I was like, well, I'm going to be sleeping in my car, but I, mean, I don't want anybody to do any. I don't want anybody to go out of the way for me. I this is my choice. Terrell's Dustin's wife, correct? Correct. Okay. And, um, uh, of who ended up becoming a very good friend of mine. His name's Corey Dillinger. He reached out to me on Discord through a private message, and he said, Hey, I'm from New Jersey. I'm coming down to Texas, too. I need a place to stay as well. You want to find an Airbnb we can stay at? That way, you know, we're at least together since we're 
the only two in this camp that aren't from Texas. So is this this is all before you actually were you still in Nebraska at this time? This was basically on the drive down to Texas. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. On the mo- or in the moment. All in right. In the moment, and I get down there, and in pure captivating fashion, I my destination was a karaoke bar. Like that's what I put into my GPS. <laughs> that's great. And I get to that karaoke bar, and I'm singing a couple songs to an empty bar because it was a Tuesday night. And the guy from Jersey gives me a call, and he said, hey, I finally made it to Texas. I found an Airbnb for us. Um, Let's book it. And I told him, well, the thing is, I don't have any money yet. I won't get paid until a couple days from my old job. I I had my finances figured out. My finances down there were nothing at all. I'm proud of what I did down there, but... I said, I'm, I'm just going to stay in my car for a couple of days until I can get that other room in that Airbnb. And he said, no, it's no problem. Let's message the host real quick. And he does. He says, hey, I have a friend with me. He's also a wrestler in this camp. Is it okay if he sleeps on the floor in my Airbnb room until he gets paid and he can pay you for the month or whatever and he can get his own room? And she didn't message back. So oh. so we just got back. We went to the Airbnb. She met us at the door, and he kind of repeated himself. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Just just make sure you guys read uh, the house rule book and everything. And the house rule book was like, um, no cooking in the kitchen every day. Leave it to once a week, prep cook, oh. which was a little weird. Yeah. And then another one was quiet hours from 11 to 6. Which at first I'm like, that's fair. It's an Airbnb. There could be a bunch of other people there. It's probably a courtesy thing. <clears throat> so we thought nothing of it. <laughs> okay. Until the first night of camp, we get back and it. We walk into the door at 11:01. It was a little bit too late, and we go up the stairs and we start watching SmackDown from that night because it's Friday. And we are being as quiet as can be because it's quiet hours. And we wake up the next morning, and he has a message from the host saying that we were being very loud, and she lost an hour of sleep. Oh, no. And I woke up that morning before he did, so I went downstairs to make myself some breakfast. Because I know I could cook there once a week. I was going to make myself some breakfast, kind of get everything together, figure it out. Were you expected to eat out for the other meals there while you were down there? Like, I'm a little confused on they could only cook in there once a week. Prep cooking, basically. She would have been fine with, like, cook yourself meals for the week all in Uh, one time. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to argue with it, but... Yeah. So I'm down there. I'm making my eggs and my bacon, and I'm even cleaning up the kitchen a little bit while I'm doing it. And she comes out of her bedroom, and she is just grumpy as all get out and she looks she's like oh what are you doing and i go i'm, I'm just making some breakfast she goes no this isn't gonna fly this cooking everyday stuff that's not gonna fly here and i'm like i, I th- th- this is my first time in your kitchen ma'am i i'm sorry i mean i, I won't be doing this tomorrow she's like no nah, no nah, that's not even the problem now it's gonna be a mess and it's you're gonna i was like i'm gonna clean up after myself she's like yeah to your cleanliness standards not mine oh my goodness and oh my goodness yeah i'm telling you i was raised by a uh my parents were born in the 50s. Her level of cleanliness was nothing next to mine. I was cleaning up after her the whole time. And um, she's just yells at me saying, I lost an hour of sleep last night. I turn into a C word when I lose sleep. And I was like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and I just kind of 
went up to my room. I packed all the stuff in it. I went into my car and I just drove away. And I, I messaged wow. Corey and I said, hey, um, I'm just going to go stay in my car until I can afford to pay her because I don't know if that's what's making her upset or not. But I'm just going to do that. And he, out of the kindness of his heart, he met me wherever I was almost immediately. He said, hey, dude, I'll pay for you. Pay me back when you get paid. And I did, thankfully. And that was that. She apologized to okay, both of so us. Okay, so you did go back to that house. Yeah, I okay. did go back. She apologized to both of us. We were like, that's fine. And it was okay for about 10 more days. You were down there for 12 weeks. For 12 weeks, yeah. For about 10 more days, we were okay with her until um, we prep cooked. We prepped cooked in the kitchen for the first time. <laughs> No. And Ten days apparently later. I was using a metal fork to stir some stuff in her pan. And that made her really mad. She's like, oh, you're scratching on my pans. And and no. it wasn't even her pan. It was a pan a previous guest had left at her place. Oh, even worse. Yeah. And so I wake up the next morning. And again, he gets a message from her on Airbnb. Now, at this part of the Airbnb stay, I have my own profile in her Airbnb. She could message me. Sure. But she messages him and says, so last night, your friend was very disrespectful because when he went to go use the bathroom, he went to go close the door, he didn't close the doorknob. He didn't turn the doorknob so when he shut the door. So this has nothing to do with your cooking at this point? No. Not at all. She's like, he, he didn't shut the, turn the doorknob when he shut the door and it made a clicking noise and it woke me up. It was very disrespectful. She's got to be the lightest sleeper ever. She, apparently, I, she is. Okay, here's the thing. I want to stay positive on this podcast, but I guess my thing, don't tell me her name because I don't want to look her up. Mm -hmm. My whole thing, I guess, when I'm going to say I'm going to stay positive is when I talk about wrestling, I'm going to stay positive about that and try to keep my grievances and my aggravations to myself, but like... I, I'm, this is the first I'm hearing this story, yeah. and my blood's boiling. Oh, man, you're telling me. It was the worst. And, like, it was after that, she was like, I just, she could have messaged me, but she messaged him. She said, I think it's best if you guys just both leave today. Change your um, scheduling, find another oh, Airbnb. Okay, so this isn't your decision at this point. Now she's saying something. Oh, we made it our decision at that point. We were okay. like, um, yeah, that feeling's mutual. Thank you. <laughs> And we were trying to be nice. He even sent her a message saying, I'm sorry. I really did enjoy the short time we stayed there. I'm sorry that things went wrong. And her response was, I wish I could say the same. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, I'm, I'm going to stop you right because I have a cu very curiosity question for you. Because ultimately, you and I didn't talk much while you were down there. Very, mm -hmm. very, very little. You do have a girlfriend. Yes. So, like, every night, were you uh, were you texting grievances and, like, complaints to your girlfriend? Like, what, or, or were you just, were you trying to be chill about everything and just deal with it? Oh, no, she knew what was going on. I knew there was nothing she could do at 800 miles away, so it was a perfect person to rant to. Sure. Um, yeah, we got out of it that day. We hit up one of the other camp buddies, and he helped us find another Airbnb in that town. We were able to move into it uh, that day, even. So, you, okay, ultimately, and I know this is still what, a week and a half into your yeah. uh, into your twelve weeks there. Was there ever a time that you did end up staying in your car while you were down there? No. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Much to my chagrin, people always taking care. Because I mean, me. there's at least twice I've heard where you're like, "I'll just stay in my car." Yeah, and and <laughs> I have no problem with it. People don't understand that. 
I bet you'd be a lot of fun to go camping with. I am a we blast. Sh- we should go camping we together should go sometime. Camping sometime. I-, I think it'd be fun. It'll be a blast. I'm the life life of the party. I'm a very captivating camping partner. <laughs> I- I'm hearing the word <laughs> captivating a lot with you, so uh, I mean, it it's must, a good word. Must be part of you. <laughs> Needs to be used more often. So okay, so the the next Airbnb was a lot better. Was there was there quiet hour times? Did you, no, it was did you night have any and difficulties day. turning do- doorknobs or anything. God, no. No, it was night and day. This guy was—he was the nicest. We even asked him when he was showing us a room. We were like, "Do you have any quiet hours or hours we should be unexpected? We should be like a little bit lower because we noticed you have like a three-year-old." And he was like, "Oh no, no, you're you're fine. I'm not like the other assholes out there. You do oh. whatever." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, oh, so you you know you know what's up? Okay." And he <laughs> he was perfectly fine. There was a day um, we have. Um, locks on our doorknobs you have to put a pass key in to get into your bedroom oh okay and the battery on my door ran out conveniently after i got out of the shower oh no so i'm sitting there in the hallway with a towel on and i put in the number i turned the doorknob i put my shoulder into it expecting it to open but it didn't and i ended up putting a giant crack down the middle of the door and I immediately. I guess the microphone can't see the look on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I called the host immediately and got him over, and he was so calm about it. I was worried about. I was about to get. <laughs> Here I'm, this man in a towel, and <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. Just pay for it, and I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, just pay for it, replace okay. it, and I did. That's all there was to it. And it even took me like three or four weeks to be able to pay for it and replace it. And he was just right. like, "No, as long as it's done before you leave, it's all right." But, yeah, that was my Airbnb nightmare story. That was the worst. I ended up not giving a review on Airbnb just because I was so um, distracted the entire time I was down there. I missed the window. But she had a gnarly three-star review coming from me, only because I know those are the ones people look at. Oh. (laughs) Now, correct me if I'm Were you in Austin, Texas? Is that where you were down in Texas? Or where in Texas were you roughly? It was the Austin, Leander. It's a suburb suburb of Austin. Yeah, I'm not asking you to give away any sort of Dustin Rhodes information, but. No, yeah, his school wasn't in Leander. It was somewhere else in the area. I just stayed in Leander. Gotcha. Mm. But, okay, so there's some horror stories from. uh, from your stay down there, mm-hmm. tell us more about the training. Training was everything I wanted it to be and more. Uh, Dustin is a very fantastic and personal trainer. He um, is very patient. He is very kind. He is not out for your money. Okay. He's not out to make you throw up and hate your life and try and get you out of the business he wants you to succeed. He wants you to wrestle. But he also needs you to do it in the confines of the business. So that means you have to be able to be in shape. You have to be able to work out for extended periods of time. And still pay your dues. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to do rolls and bumps and basic stuff. No matter how big or small you are, you need to know how to do a roll. take regular bumps it was it was a fantastic time training down there and he was there every day i know there's a couple schools out there with some big names on them where that big name is almost never there yeah but no dustin was there every day except for maybe two or three well and i I even asked you about that when you came back because you know i I still kept up with AEW as much as i could and there were shows 
that here he was on TV, and I get it, your training wasn't every single day of the week, mm-hmm. but I said, wait, how's, how's he in Seattle, Washington, or wherever he'd be at a given time when your training's down in Texas, and then... Plane rides. Know. Yeah, well, yeah. You'd get a Fly, plane ride, and he'd be down there the next day, like, bye, guys, see ya. So, see you next week. I gotta go take care of my kids. Ultimately, he missed, like, one or two days of training. That was it? I think two or three, and the day of graduation, because his daughter was giving birth. Yeah. Which well, is acceptable. Uh, well, no, of course. They, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't like his mom die or something while you were down there? His mom did pass away within the first, um, I think, two weeks of our training, which was very surreal to me because um, mother's mortality is very close to me, something that I think about all the time. Okay. And he was there. On the day of his mother's funeral, he left his mom's funeral and he came to train us. Wow. He is very passionate about this business and it shows with every move he makes and every word that comes out of his mouth. Now, are you able, I don't want to like give away secrets by any means, but are you able to tell like, because I know you said he had a story or two from some of his days. Is there any stories that you'd be able to share like on this podcast Um, that he would have shared, I should say? And if not, that's totally fine, but... No, I don't want to say too many of them. Right. Oh, um... He, uh... He had his eardrums popped last year, taking a move from... <laughs> you did mention this to me, but I don't remember who it was. Who was it from? Guy with the long braid. Very tall guy. Lance oh, Archer? Oh, uh, yeah, Lance Archer, yep. Yeah. Popped his eardrums with that. Um, He said his match with Cody was one of his favorites. And he did bleed a lot in that match. It missed. He got like really dizzy towards the end. Oh, okay. He really did mess with his equilibrium a little bit. But there's not much I can say on his behalf. Now, did did he that. did he talk about stories like injuries or anything that he would have dealt with throughout his career? Did he ever really talk about those kinds of things? Um, he might have. I had a lot of selective hearing when I was down there. I was okay. so focused on the training. Yeah. Um, when people were telling stories and too much, I didn't pay too much attention because I was trying to focus more on what I was being taught. Sure. And with, you know, the good old fashioned ADHD, you really, really have to hyper focus when you're really trying to learn something that you want to. It's very easy to to distract yourself listening to somebody tell a story from their youth. Okay, so ultimately. Kind of, so you have 12 weeks of extensive training. It was, what, three days a week Is it, you said you were training down there? Three days a week, three to four hours a day. Okay. Um, I guess not that it matters. What days of the week were they? It was the weekend. Oh, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. Okay. So then the other four days, you just would hang low and, you know, live life and make, make money. some money. Yep. Do a little DoorDash. Yep. So, okay, yeah, I guess I just didn't realize it was a weekend only, I think. I thought I had in my head it was, like, sprinkled throughout the week, but... Mm-hmm. So yeah, just coming back from Rampage then, and yeah, that'd be easy for him to. Oh yeah, to to be there, and a lot of times Rampage would be recorded the same night as Dynamite anyway. So oh yeah, he'd have a couple days to recover. So good deal. It was yeah, it was great being down there by him. I would suggest anybody, if you're interested in being trained by anybody, go to RWA, apply for there. He is, he knows what he's doing, and he is very passionate. And you said there was like one or two other like AEW stars that you got to meet while you're down there as well, like whether helping out with the training or anything, wasn't there? Um, the biggest one would have been Abaddon. Yep, I remember you saying Abaddon, but so good deal. So okay, training goes well. 
Um, you came back and you seemed. I, I I noticed just you already had a passion for the business before going down there. You wouldn't have gone down there if you didn't. Mm-hmm. And then I came. You come back. I couldn't wait to see you again. Wait, couldn't wait to hang out with my friend. And right away, you're back. You have a booking down in Kansas, like the, that weekend. And, yeah. And everything else. No rest. And uh, just on the go. And I think since then, you've only had one weekend off, which was just this last, well, I mm-hmm. guess, two weekends ago prior to this coming out, um, there, or this podcast episode airing. But there, uh, Yeah, there has been one Saturday in 2023 that I haven't been in a wrestling ring. That's crazy. Crazy. But, I um, mean, yeah, you're getting yourself to... How many different promotions are you involved with right now? Right now, oh, man, I'd have to count. Um, directly involved with, like, wrestling or refing. I know there, there's um, MWA. Then there's WWX. I just um, recently started wrestling for them. Uh, TAPW. I yep. started wrestling... Well, I had a promo. I did have a match on a card, but that... Um, event got postponed so there's three and then magnum is letting me ref for them yeah i think there's ocw in kansas i'm gonna have to check on that name later i hope i'm not getting that wrong oh yeah that'd be a little awkward yeah i'm gonna be refing for them i'm assuming you're still working with pwp uh i help them with ring setup and teardown for right now okay uh if i That'll be uh, slower because they have a very, very tight card they okay. run. They they have a very specific people they work with. You're working with uh, Niles Niles Ponke. I did. Um, I've went down and trained with him at his secret little facility. Uh, we yep. We don't need to give away any locations. And then of course, no. just this last weekend, you worked for LMFP as well. Yes. And so and we've had Levi McDaniel on this podcast before before it became a uh audio based podcast, but then I did air the episode that I did on Facebook Live on a uh, prior episode of the audio podcast. So you can go into Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk archives and find where I talked to Levi McDaniel and he talked extensively about his story and then what he does as a promoter too. So you, now you have LMFP under your belt as well. Yeah. So that's that's at least 6. There you go. Keep Woof. it busy for sure. Yeah, I need to. So let's talk more than okay. So in MWA, because that's where I know you, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where you got your start anyway. So I want to focus a little it's most my home. Yep, there you go. Uh, a little more on that than anything else, and then I, I there's one match I want to talk to you about otherwise. But actually, I'm gonna get ahead of myself. How you fit, you've done one show that I know of. To build up to a match, I don't know if you worked with them otherwise, for TAPW. But you are eventually challenging for was it the welterweight championship? Is that the the new yes the new the new championship that just got introduced to their last show against Timeless Tabor Miller? Yeah, timeless Tabor. How are you Miller. feeling about this match? Um, I'm excited for it. I know he is a very good competitor. I know it's not going to be easy. Um, I'm going to try my best to come out on top, and hopefully I do. I know it's going to be a challenge, because we are in the same uh, weight class. Yeah. It'll be a, it'll be a very um, strategic and hardworking match. 
I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it, uh, Taper Miller. If you're listening, I'm ready for when we as, when we path cross in that ring. And you you can bring it all day long, and I'll bring it all, all day long. And as you should be. The better, more captivating man will come out on top. I'm sure. I love the confidence. With that said, okay, again, I I know you primarily through MWA. Um, a lot of that's where you got your start. That's where you feel most of your involvement is now. And you've had quite the journey through MWA alone. You've been. Mm-hmm. Your name is Alan Lyric. You've mm-hmm. you've done the national anthem for us a number of times. Uh, you've had to, you know, whether you're doing it solo or you're sharing the, the spotlight there with Tori. Mm-hmm. And a flip kind of switched at our at our last Lincoln show. Yeah, and you're refing a match between Ryan Romantic and Kid Kamikaze. Yeah, and I want to. Before we get any further, I want to stress the importance that you are Johnny Cadillac's friend. Heck yeah. And so we're, we're homies. Where those Lincoln fans don't respect me, and now you're associating yourself with me, which has given you more heat. But I want to say we're friends first. So whether the Lincoln crowd first. likes it or not, they just have to deal with it. That's the Lincoln crowd. They'll, they'll find out what I think of them when they come into the next show. What? flip that switch for you what what got you so upset with kid kamikaze um i want to say kid kamikaze was more the feather that broke the camel's back okay. like him pushing me around and yelling at me during that match was definitely a little bit too much but it was mostly the fact that i i was almost a thousand miles away from home and everybody i knew and i loved and i spent thousands of dollars to get trained by a legend and then i come back and i'm told to ref Oh yeah, no that that kind of spit in your face. Yeah, I I wasn't a fan of that, but I you know I was told do it, do what they tell you to for do. The, for the record, that was the MWA board of directors who were talking. Mm-hmm. Johnny Cadillac was never said, "Hey, mm-hmm. you need to come back and ref." You know, we're friends. Oh, absolutely. And I knew your talent, and I was ready to see you compete. So I'm glad you stood up for yourself. Oh, thank you. No, I it needed to be done. I wasn't gonna just stand around and get pushed around like that anymore and i i yeah i'm done refing. i don't need to do that in mw anymore i have something to prove and i need to prove it and i'm gonna start with old kid kamikaze you have a very good singing voice i've Thank heard you. you do karaoke i've taken you to a pentatonics concert yeah. where you were not shy to sing note for note yeah, no, that was every a, song they were singing that was a me concert and uh so i went to a captivating Alan Lyric concert with mm-hmm. special guest Pentatonics who yeah. took the That's center it. stage with microphones. But you have a very good singing voice. Thank you've, you. You've done a great job with the national anthem. How are you feeling about the national anthem going forward? Mm-hmm. Or singing in that in general? Like, obviously, I know you still have a passion for singing. Very much so. Very much so. And um, I do, I'd, I'd like to say I have a pretty good singing voice. And I'd like to say that the Lincoln crowd doesn't quite appreciate it as much as they should. So until they learn to appreciate it and exa- and know exactly how golden and captivating, there's that word again, these pipes are, uh, they don't get to hear it. The Lincoln crowd is not a very respectful crowd. No, they're not. I, I've been ring announcing for nearly six years. And Who for, boos a ring announcer? For at least five of those years, they've shown nothing but disrespect like for you're, me. You're just doing your job. I, that's why I say. It's not right. It's not fun. I mean, I don't see them coming in the ring and doing my job better than me. Definitely 
doesn't make it any harder so for I, me to I, say no to that anthem. And yeah, I I know, and like you know, I was I felt incredibly disrespected at that last Lincoln show that they had the audacity to hold up signs calling me a weasel and saying Johnny Cadillac has no friends. Oh, I fixed that one real yes, quick. Yes, you did because we. Our friends. We are friends. Johnny Cadillac has friends. You heard it here first. Yeah. The Sieve is my friend. The heavy metal messiah Xander McIntosh is my friend. Good people, good people. Bert Cameron. Old he's Kurt a man Cameron. with morals, and he is my friend. And the morals with a man. Yeah. So I, I, I have friends. I have lots of friends. And I, I don't think, honestly, captivating Alan Lyric, I don't think that Lincoln crowd will ever truly understand. No, really they don't. won't. They they won't, and until they do, they can just say goodbye to these golden pipes. Well, and so how do you feel then? Because for whatever ungodly reason, Kid Kamikaze is kind of their golden boy. They seem to. I hear a pop for him every time I say his name when his intro starts, and that punk Christian Temple just as bad. Like they they have their facts backwards, and I don't understand why they mm. support some of these guys, but. Kid, uh, Christian Temple's kind of my story. Kid Kamikaze right now is your story. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you see what they see in him? Because I don't. You see, I I always assumed those cheers were piped in. Oh, yeah. Like, well, you know, WWE did their Thunderdome yeah. days where there were added crowd noises. Yeah, because I just never got the appeal. And I guess yeah. I never really looked at the crowd during their entrance because I was busy paying attention to them. I just... Was never really that impressed, well, so I just Kamikaze, thought they were piped you know, in. He gets his table for his family, mm-hmm. and so ideally, I guess they they would cheer because they feel they have to, because you know they're related to him. Otherwise, yeah, it's got to be added crowd noises, don't you think? It's got to be. I'm in the ring, so like I don't see anyone pushing the buttons, but it, it's got to be somewhere. It's got to be. You know, mean, there's a lot more to our sound system than what we realize. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've called plenty of matches um, with Christian Temple and Kid Kamikaze involved. They are good competitors, but they're not as good as the crowd likes them to think. No. likes to think. But, I mean, they're good. They have compl- accomplishments to show for, but they've they've never been in the ring with me yet. So, and that, okay. I think old Kid Kamikaze's Correct. got a heart awakening coming. And that's what I was that's what I was coming to next. And then we'll wrap things up. Friday, June second, we are coming yes. back to First Avenue Social Hall. Or lounge and social hall in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm. And word on the street is, and I'm still kind of confirming things with the board of directors, making sure, getting all the, the T's crossed and the I's dotted. But it sounds like captivating Alan Lyric with his Lincoln MWA debut yes. against Kid Kamikaze. Against Kid Kamikaze. What can people expect with this match? They can expect a beatdown. They can expect a statement to be made. They can expect to um, see why I don't want to be a ref anymore. And they're going to see a match for the ages. I know Kid Kamikaze is going to put up a hell of a fight. Like I said, I've called plenty of his matches before. He knows how to move. He knows how to wrestle. But he wasn't trained by the best of the best. No. No. He uh he he's stayed in Nebraska and I think he he's been he's been quite I hate to use this word mm-hmm. especially talking to you but he seemed to be quite the natural with picking things up but he wasn't trained by the natural by the natural of course no and yeah he he's a great competitor um but yeah he's never really left left the Nebraska area has he and his uh I don't want to 
you know, start ribbing on his gear or anything, but it's just Dragon Ball Z logos. There's no yeah. originality to that. Come on, you've seen my tights, right? Oh, you? yeah. I mean, if, for those seeing the promo photo of today's uh, episode yeah. of Patty Chat Wrestling Talk. A little bit more originality there. I like it. Yep. A little bit of pink in there. Yep. A little bit of wordage, a little bit of pianos. Not some anime reference. There you go. It's, it's, it's very you mm-hmm. and your passions, not a show you're passionate about. Absolutely. No, it is, it is about who I am. So, and that is captivating captivating Alan, Alan Lyric. yes so uh any final words any shout outs any any other things you want to say before we uh go off the air here any shout outs well I actually have a list of about a hundred people no I don't have that um shout outs I just want to shout out all the people that have helped me get to this point so far those being you of course yeah. and then um Brian Blade who I still get along with right now we'll see how that goes uh, he hasn't if, steered you wrong yet no he hasn't um, Donnie Pepper Cricket, um, who is getting close to being on my list, but I still thank thank him for everything he's done. Yeah, he kind of got involved in that little bit of sprawl, kind of post because you know his tag. He team did. Partner, he put on my ref shirt, which I mean, it's not my ref shirt anymore, but oh, I did yeah, watch the footage. Yeah. I watched the footage after it was done. He put on my ref shirt. I mean that. I mean, I hope he enjoyed my sweat, but Donnie, come on, man, you don't put on another man's shirt like that. Well, I mean, because I mean, he was. Inv- because his his tag team partner Ryan Romantic was in the match, so I guess mm-hmm. and you know Hillbilly Bubbles decided to attack Ryan Romantic, so it made sense, I suppose, for Donnie Pepper Cricket. Mind you, Donnie Pepper yeah. Cricket has nothing but disrespect for me as well. Yeah. He went in there, he encouraged a crowd to start calling me Weasel. Like that come sounds on. about right. Yeah, I don't know why people uh, cheer for talk, jerks like talk that. Talk about disrespect. He's a bully. He's not quite. The level of like Christian Temple when it comes to disrespect, or Kid Kamikaze, but one step at a time. Go take care of Kid Kamikaze and see what's next for you. Because I have a feeling mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot more disrespectful people in that locker room along the way on your journey to the top. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And then of course I've got the uh, Mister Fitness too. He's been a great help with me, Niles Planquet. He's helped out a lot. Yep. Um, I, I don't think. And shout out, um, rest in peace, Jason Strife. Yeah. Oh. He well, he. Um, most definitely. We didn't cross paths too much, but the I, times I, that our paths did cross, they were very memorable. Okay. I've I've been wanting to do, and I've gone on this podcast saying I was going to, and I feel like I haven't shared enough, but you know, unfortunately, this world did lose Jason Strife just a couple months ago. And yeah, I take first time, week of my training. Give a shout out. Give some love. What what did Jason Strife mean to you? Uh, let's uh, let's give Jason Strife the spotlight he deserves here. What Jason Strife meant to me. Uh, everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew the passion that he had. But when you go up to him, w- when you went up to him, um, if he had the time to talk to you, it was very much a lot of direct eye contact. Even though his responses could have been short, they said just the right amount of words that you knew he listened to you. Okay. And he was, um, there was one time he, um, had my back in a Facebook post before I went down to training because he knew I was going down there. And he told somebody that when I come back from training, you're gonna, um, 
you'll need to listen to everything he says because he'll be more trained than you'll ever be to somebody. Oh, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. And then he deleted that comment, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> either way, he stood up for me. What was said was said. <laughs> yeah, and that was with like two or three conversations between the two of us. He was a really good guy. He was taken for us from us way too soon. Most way, way too soon. I wish I could have known him when he had a voice. I wish I could have known him when he had muscles. I wish I could have been thrown around by him. You know how much I would have loved to have him on this podcast? That would have been an incredible interview. Oh, that would have been the end of your podcast. Oh. He would have shut you down. That man had no filters. <laughs> <laughs> but it would have been great to have him on. Thank goodness it's a podcast and not live radio. <laughs> yeah, he escorted out of the studio. But he's a firecracker. All right. If he's listening... If he's listening and you know he's listening, what would you like to say to Party Poison at this time? Ah, uh, it's a Party Poison. Keep your head up. Keep your keep your training going. Get through whatever you need to do. Whenever you have the chance to get in the ring or lock up with somebody, do it. Don't get too rusty. Keep yourself where you need to be. And out of your own head. I just know, and again, you, you alluded to it earlier in this podcast, you very much so have him to thank in a yes. lot of ways for you getting to where you're at oh, now. First and foremost, prior above to everybody your else. training with Dustin Rhodes. If so. it wasn't for Party Poison, I would have never gotten in a ring. Hands down. <coughs> Simple there. Finally, goals for the future. What Ten years from now, what would you like to have seen uh, with captivating alan lyric where would he have made it at or least, will make it at least seven different championships okay that's a little bit less than one a year right sure yeah um no i would like to see myself somewhere if not on tv then just um a very big indie staple where everybody knows my name everybody wants to come out and um, watch me, or either watch me beat somebody up, or watch somebody beat me up. I just want to be able to help people forget about their day for 10 to 15 minutes, yeah. or 5 to 10 minutes, however long I, it I, takes for me to whoop somebody's butt. All right. I, I've said it enough times on this podcast, and it was one of my favorite episodes, um, when I think of respect in the wrestling business. Chief Atakula Kula is always at the top of that list. Wild Man Beast is on there. Brian mm-hmm. Blade, him and I have had some differences a little bit. He's gotten frustrated with some of the things I've said on this podcast and to him in passing, but a lot of respect I have for him too. And a lot of it for all three of those is just where they've been and how long they've been doing it. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait because I already have all the respect in the world for you. I'm happy to call that. you a friend. Thank you. And I can't wait to, you know, 10 years from now being like, yeah, captivating Alan Lyric. I was a small part of his journey. I am proud to call him a friend even still. I'm excited to see how bright your future really is for you. Pop in my podcast chair and you think you're a small part. <laughs> well, I, I, I try to help you out. Well, I feel this has been a very captivating time, to say the least. It's been awesome to have you on Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk podcast today. You are welcome back anytime, my friend. I would love to continue to hear how the story's going. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to be back. I thank you for having me, Johnny. Of course. 
This has been another great episode of Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast with captivating Alan Lyric. Shout out to one Corvette Daniels who's been hanging out in the studio with us and giving me some of the most hilarious facial expressions, especially when you were talking about your your frustrating Airbnb times yes. down, down in Texas. But it's been a lot of fun. Thank you again for captivating Alan Lyric for coming on today. This has been Caddy Chat Wrestling Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Cadillac. And until next time, we will see you then. Have a good day, everyone.